Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. It always makes The Yard so much easier when it comes after a Bulldog victory. Man, it feels so good to win. It does. It just feels so good to win, especially one of these toss-up games that could have gone either way. Mississippi State goes out and really takes care of business. That game was never in doubt. It really wasn't. State didn't get the fast start. However, it never felt like that A&M was really going to really take charge of that ball game. And, of course, State gets a big turnover early and marches down and takes a lead. We felt like it would be a close ball game. It turns out it wasn't a close ball game. State, the more physical team, they outrush A&M. They beat A&M up. Didn't allow a sack. Force, force four turnovers, about as well as we played. And what's amazing about that is we had to overcome some adversity with some bad officiating. We had an untimely fumble. 
probably could have been prevented. But the reality of it is, despite that, Mississippi State wins and really in many respects embarrasses Texas A&M. We knew that A&M was going to have trouble scoring without our help. They did. And now the Aggies got to go to Tuscaloosa. Good luck with that, boys. But anyway, it feels so good to win. Bulldogs now 4-1, 1-1 in the Southeastern Conference. I remember some tweets earlier this year. I won't go dig them up. I remember some tweets back this summer from some you know, so-called experts, many of them just uh, self-proclaimed experts, suggesting State would win four games this year. Well, we've won four. And we have seven left. So it looks like those prognostications were false, which, of course, those were rooted in fantasy rather than fact. Before we get into the show, let's thank all everybody, man. Everybody turned out at Hobie's on Main this weekend uh, for Rock Vegas. We had a very successful event. I'll give you guys a little behind-the-scenes stuff, too. You know, there's so many things that happen in show business you never know about, right? Kind of part of the deal. So, um, it's so funny. It's so funny how life works, right? It's so... You know, you wake up, you're stressed, you're anxious, you want things to go well. And so I got to the venue, started getting everything set up. We'd spent a lot of time. Uh, Hobie and his crew did a great job kind of cleaning the bar up, kind of getting everything prepared for the show. Lily and Axe's road crew was supposed to be there at noon, got there at 1030. You love that, right? You love that. They had to set up the whole cemetery backdrop and their sound check and everything. And then I ended up having a sound check. The other two bands, I wasn't expected, worked out just fine. And it's so crazy. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, well, you know, Lillian's crew and band went to dinner. Wasn't sure if the sound engineer would be back for the opening band. Thought we had all that taken care of. And lo and behold, uh, we're getting ready to take stage, and here, here he comes. You guys ready to rock and roll? Absolutely were. Show goes off without a hitch. Had a good crowd. Had a great time. We met our goals. Raised a bunch of money. Matter of fact, I got to bring some money to Charlie today. And, uh, but anyway, it's, somebody asked me, said, Steve, uh, do you feel the event was a success? Well, absolutely, I do. We raised a ton of money for the Bulldog Initiative. We promoted a lot of awareness for what Mississippi State's NIL efforts look like. We gave a couple of incredible up-and-coming Mississippi bands a chance to play with Lillian Axe. And everybody got paid and nobody got hurt. It's a great night. So thanks for everybody that supported the event Many people bought tickets, many people sponsored the event, a lot of people shared our social media stuff, and uh, we're going to make this Rock Vegas thing a brand. I shared yesterday, we're going to do a battle of the bands here in Starkville after the turn of the year. So we've got some time to kind of figure that out, probably looking at early February before we get into baseball. But it's going to be a cool thing, we're going to do that, have the Rock Vegas battle of the bands, and then we're already beginning to kind of... uh, kind of prepare for rock vegas 2023 going to sit down with some people probably have uh some planning and organizational meetings and uh because here's the thing too you know i get tunnel vision sometimes you know i I, sometimes i forget that you all don't listen to the great music that i do there may be some bands that i love that maybe you don't and so i'm going to open that up to some people some people that i care about and uh that i value their opinions and we're going to pick a great headliner for 2023 we won't announce that for several months, but we're already kind of beginning the planning stages for that. Now that we got our feet wet, you know, we got a lot of meetings and a lot of conversations we got to have, and we, there's a lot of water that's got to pass under the bridge. But uh, we're going to have another Rock Vegas event next year. 
probably around the same time because it's a little bit cooler. We may even do it outdoors. That'd be cool too, right? But anyway, thank you so much for everybody that supported the event. It uh, means an awful lot to me. And I, and I tell you, you know, I've, I've been a Lillian Axe fan most of my life. And uh, there was a time there that, uh, you know, I'm running around and there's like there's people checking in VIP and you never know when people are going to arrive, right? So I'm back and forth. I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of the show. But there was a moment I went upstairs to check on Roy. Our buddy Roy Samanthi ran AV stuff for us. And basically that's, you know, making sure the bands play in front of their logo. We had the video. The video that I wrote and recorded that John Sokoloff edited and put together for us about the history of rock music in Mississippi. It's available on my social media feed. I'm really proud of that. Got a good response from the crowd. It was super cool, if I do say so myself. But I went up there to kind of check on Roy and also to kind of hide a little bit, you know, because a lot of people, hey, where's this, where's that? And I went up there and I sat next to Roy. I didn't really say anything. And I thought for just a moment there, I said, man, we brought Lily and Axe to start, but we really pulled this thing off. As crazy as it all seemed, when we all just, I said, hey, I'm going to bring a rock show to Starkville. And everybody's like, oh, you can't do that. And I don't know. Well, we did it. We did it. I said, hey, we're going to go out and raise about $25,000 for the Bulldog Initiative. We did it. We wanted to treat these bands perhaps better than they've ever been treated. And I believe we did that too. On yesterday, I heard from uh, Craig Carter, who is the manager of Twist. His young son, Wiley, is the drummer in Twist. Those guys were killer. And uh, Craig texted me and said, hey, man, thanks so much for including us. We had a great time. Then I heard from Ryan Purser, singer from Four Way Stop. I love those guys, man. I do. And uh, I think those guys are really going somewhere. I really do. And so Ryan hit me up yesterday and said, hey, you know, Steve, just thanks for including us in this. We had a great time. It was a great show. And I think we made a lot of new Lillian Axe fans, too. And that's the thing, too. It's like when you see, and this is in no way a slight to our openers. There's a reason they're openers, right? These guys are just kind of getting established. I mean, this was Twist's fourth show. Before we stop, plays regularly. And I believe those guys really have something special. But then when you see a band like Lillian Axe, it has 10 studio albums, been playing you know, almost 40 years together. You see the difference in the professional band and the up-and-coming band. And again, that's not a slight at anybody. And I think everybody in Twist and Four Way Stop would, would agree with me. It's like when you see somebody that's been doing it as long as Lillian Axe has and as long as and as good as Stevie Blaze has done it, you see them up close and personal. You realize a lot, how much work you got to do. It's inspirational in many respects. It really is. And so heard from Steve yesterday, and uh, I'll see those guys uh, later this week. But um, you know, they thanked us for how you know professional everything went, and uh, that means a lot to me too. It's not you know, listen, I'm I'm a writer by trade. But any time that I put my name on something, I want to make sure that it is done well. And I'm assuming people said, Steve, you have such talent for this. I, I don't know if that's really the case. I think it's just that I'm so committed to making sure that things run correctly and that everybody does things the right way. If I'm involved in it, I want things to go well. And so I don't know that that's you know, maybe you know, just unique to the rock music stuff that I work on, but it's really in everything that I do, I want things to go well. And so... We did some a cool thing, too. I, I don't know if you knew, know about this. I put it out on social media yesterday. Maybe you didn't know. But we gave those guys cowbells. We gave Lily and Axe custom cowbells. And uh, our friend at the Bellsmith did a great job on those. They had the Rock Vegas logo on one side and had the Lily and Axe logo on the other. And uh, I had a chance to tell those guys about the, uh, 
you know, the story of the cowbell. Of course, they didn't know a lot about it. They just know we had cowbells, and they were very touched. And I feel like, you know what, I'm an ambassador for you guys, too. And so we bring people in here. I want to make sure that we are well-represented and that Starkville is well-represented. I take all these things very, very seriously. And so when we have guests that are coming in to help us do something that benefits Mississippi State, I'm going to make sure we roll out the big maroon carpet. That's exactly what we did. So, again, thanks to everybody that contributed in some way to Rock Vegas. It was a smashing success, and we look forward to doing future events with all of you folks. Uh, Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. They hosted Twist for dinner. How about that? They hosted Twist for dinner uh, before Rock Vegas. And then uh, four-way stop went over to the uh, Central Station Grill. And, of course, Lillian ate at Harvey's. I ate at the grill uh, Saturday evening after the ball game with some family of mine. I love the Eat With Us group. They always seem to have whatever I'm craving for, one of those three restaurants I can go find it. It's usually Bulldog Burger, to be quite honest with you, though. I love Bulldog Burger Company. I have since before they were even sponsors of the show. Very happy to partner with them. Go by and check them out today. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. I've kind of been craving that BLT salad. You know, sometimes I just want to eat fresh. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you think, you know what, I want to have some green leafy vegetables. I'd like to have, uh, you know, maybe some of those uh, Roma tomatoes. I just want to be able to go eat some vegetables. At the same time, get some protein. That's what that BLT salad does for me. allows me to eat fresh, but also get that grilled chicken, which is absolutely spectacular. I get my salad with ranch. You may get something different. Maybe you're a little more frou-frou than me. I'm from South Mississippi. Uh, We believe there's nothing that WD-40 duct tape and ranch dressing can't fix. And so be sure and go check out our friends at Bulldog Burger Company whenever you're in town. Make it a destination night. Bring the family out tonight. Maybe it's a guy's night. Maybe it's a lady's night. Go by and enjoy an adult beverage. Get that chocolate shake to go. That's an outstanding option to take your dessert with you and not have to worry about heating it up. You just enjoy it on the ride home. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's get into this football game. As you guys know, Texas A&M wins a toss. And uh, I kind of wondered what they would do. I like to defer. Apparently Jimbo does too because you you never know what the situation you're going to be in. It's in the second half, right? So I want the ball first. I've been in some games, too, where the range were so bad, you want to get it early before uh, the conditions worsen. But uh, they elect to defer. And so Mississippi State gets the ball first. And right out of the gate, we come out there knowing that they're going to have a three-man front. We want to establish the running game. We do. Uh, Dylan Johnson runs for two yards. We, we bring, this is a great play design here. Turns out we didn't do a whole lot with Austin Williams in this ball game, but we bring him in motion because we had numbers to the right, and so we shift him over. We outnumber them on the flank, and we swing it out to Austin Williams, who breaks it for 14 yards there in a the first down. Now we're already out there approaching midfield. Dylan Johnson then runs off right side for 11 yards into Texas A&M territory at the first and town at the 48. First and 10 to 48. We're incomplete then. They nearly get to Will here. I thought we had, I think a patchwork offensive line. You know, we slid Nick Jones out to left tackle, had Steven Lasoya playing left guard. Still not sure of dollar bill status at this point. But this group played outstanding, absolutely outstanding. And again, you go look at recruiting rankings and you think that AM should have run over this group. They didn't. It says a lot about coaching, it says a lot about commitment, it says a lot about competitiveness from your Bulldogs. All right, second and 10, we're incomplete to Caleb Ducking. 
this ball probably should have been picked. And, and there was a few of these. Not that we adopt the Hugh Kellenberger doctrine about the almost interception, but Will was a little bit off target early. He settled in and did a good job. But this ball probably should have been picked. All right, third and ten, we, we go to Tulu, and uh, I can't remember if this was the drop. I think we only had one in the game, and unfortunately it was Tulu. Uh, but we get the kickoff, and so we're able to play a little field position, position here. Archer Trafford, 34 yards. We get it inside the A&M 15 there. All right, first and 10 for the Aggies at uh, their own 14. They, they, of course, they're going to get Devin Etchan going. And that's, that's their guy, right? You got to get him in a rhythm. And you got you want to get Max Johnson kind of going a little bit, give him some, you know, some ball control type throws, kind of get him relaxed. All right, second one, they give it to Etchan. He goes up the yard, up the middle for seven. First and 10 at the A&M 30. Max Johnson gets flushed, and State did a lot of this. We made Max Johnson very, very uncomfortable where he had to tuck it and go and get what he could get. He runs out there for four yards. Second six, they go back to A-chain. We, know, we, we all know this guy is the heart and soul of this offense, especially with an I.S. Smith done. You stop A-chain, you beat A&M. We had trouble stopping him early, and then we adjusted. But now it's first and 10 at the A&M 46. Max Johnson runs again. Jed Johnson still gets him. Second and six, Johnson incomplete to Donovan Green. Jevin Banks gets a hand on that. That thing is nearly picked. And as the ball was floating up there, we had two Bulldogs, Bulldogs dive for it. And you're thinking, man, if we could have picked that thing clean, how huge would that be early on? Turns out we didn't need it. Third and six, they swing it out to A-chain. We're in cloud coverage right here, and we do a great job. How many times do you see it? Make them throw it underneath and go make the tackle. And the Bulldogs make the tackle. DeCamrion Richardson, who had a huge game, one of his better games in the uniform, for sure. It's fourth and four. They come out and they punt. And I didn't think Nick, Nick Constantino had the punting game that I expected. That guy's an elite punter. He did not do a good job against State. So I think some of that's – you don't always see it in the box score, but State really, on the special team side – We've shown some things that we're close to getting to one. And I think at times, Nick felt ghosts. It's the month of October, so maybe that's part of the deal. All right, so but we take over to our eight. So, fair catch there. So, the, the net result is pretty good here for uh, for Nick. All right, State takes over at their eight. And we, we go to Woody here for three yards off the left. We're complete then to rah-rah for six, brings up a manageable third and one. I think everybody in the stadium thought we were going to run it here. Instead, we swing it out to Rufus, who gets five, and the first down. Uh, first and ten, we go back to Rufus for three. And I tell you, that Rufus Harvey kid is tough. He is really, really tough. There are sometimes a safety will get downhill on him, and I think, man, he's going need to a, need a minute. And he pops right up. He's just a tough, resilient young man. All right, second and seven for the 25. We're complete to Marks for two. Brings up a third and five. Former, former Mississippi State recruiting target, Edrin Cooper, on the tackle there. We run with it, and Marks, really a nice burst up here. Runs through there and gets a first down, and then there's a holding call. I, I have not had a chance to watch the replay yet because I'm a dish guy, and you know we had that craziness over the weekend, so I'll, I'll dial it up on the app and maybe watch it tonight. They call us for holding, makes it third and 13, all the way back inside the state 20. And what do we do? We look for 82. Rufus Harvey 
Great throw by Will, great catch by Rufus, and it's a first down. And those are backbreakers for a defense. It's like, okay, we're having trouble kind of stopping them. They're nickel and dominus to death. We finally get them behind the chains. We just got to make a play here. And then you don't. It's such an emotional drain on a defense. I don't care how mature you are. I don't care how long you've played football. I don't care how long you've been coached. I don't care how you feel. I don't care who you voted for. I don't care who you're dating. When you get in a third and 13 situation and you have a chance to make a momentum-shifting play and they come back and shove it right up you, the next thing you know, it's not only did they get the first down, they get some plus yards there. Now you got to go do it again. you got at least three more downs to defend. We're complete then to rah-rah for seven. makes it second and three at the state 42. We find Justin Robinson, who had a good game. I mean, we've, I've been waiting for this. and we, we, We've seen flashes of Robinson in practice. And I don't know the situation or why he was down the depth chart. He did some good things in fall, too. And I think maybe it's the byproduct of the position he's playing because we're kind of loaded up there at that spot. But Justin Robinson, a good game for Mississippi State. Should have had a touchdown. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But Justin, with the first down catch there, makes it first and 10 now at the 45. We go back to DJ, who runs right back up the middle for four. The Bulldog interior offensive line getting pretty good push. Getting pretty good push. I think you're starting to see some cohesion there, especially between Cole Smith and Q. When those guys fire off with flat backs, it's really, really tough. All right, State's flagged for a first down. It's almost like we had false start bingo here. And I, I've done some some research and talked to some sources. Uh, a couple of these penalties were actually us readjusting our feet prior to getting set. But for some reason, we got flagged for that. I'm sure we'll get a letter from the SEC. Oh, we're sorry, we're sorry. Kind of like when you, you, you get a stain on your dry cleaning and they can't get it out. They send you a little letter. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't change anything. All right, so second six, false start on Lasoya. Now makes it second and 11. DJ runs for two, which brings up a, a third and nine. And he's like, well, you know, if nothing else now, we're near midfield, we can play field position here and maybe try to win, uh, win the, the in and out here. We get backed up inside our 10. Maybe we can pin them inside theirs. And third and nine, we, we complete it to Woody, who gets five. And again, Edron Cooper in there making plays for, for the Aggies. Makes it fourth and four. We decide to go for it. And we get it. Nice burst up the middle from Woody. That's one thing I'll say about these Bulldog running backs. Price, not so much yet, even though I thought he had a good game too. When Woody and DJ get the ball in the interior, you talk about hitting the hole hard. If you're a young running back, listen to this show, or you know a young running back, have them watch the way that these guys explode. And I don't know if it's a product of Jason Washington's coaching or not, but when we get the football on a handoff on the interior, we hit the line wide open. And we got some guys that can jump cut too if the hole is uh, – is somewhat uh, blocked up there. But when the hole is there and we're moving people and paving a path, the Bulldog running backs hit the hole hard. All right, first and 10 now. We go to Tulu for, for one. And then next thing you know, it's another false start. Cole Smith this time. Now it's second 14. We go to Jaden Wiley. We didn't look for him much. And this is, again, probably a pass that should have been picked. I bet when Will saw it in the film room, we thought, you know what, that's on me. And it was. He, Will, Will knows these things. I mean, people act like Will Rogers is so fragile. He's not. Will Rogers is a coach's kid. He, he knows. Will knows. All right, so next thing you know, we're short to, uh, to Woody, and we, we, can't, we can't move the chains here. But at least at this point, we're on the plus side of the field, 
and he got a chance to pin them back deep. So even though the drive was not successful with scoring points, we were able to reclaim field position here. All right, fourth and eight, we punted away. And uh, Moose Muhammad, what a stud that kid's going to be. Man, that kid's good. We, we did a good job against him, but he, he, he still made some plays. All right, but again, state dominating time possession here. A&M gets the ball back at their 10 with under a minute to go in the first half. They give it to Devin Achan. He gets loose. We miss a tackle here. We, we had a chance to stop this play in the backfield. We don't. He gets loose. We compound the issue with a face mask penalty. So it's a 20-yard game plus a 15-yard penalty. So it's from all, immediately they're out in their midfield after one play. They go from the 10 to the 45. They decide to run at the middle with Le'Veon Moss. He gets two, and that runs out the first quarter. And so even though it was a, a scoreless game, I felt like State was kind of dictating terms here. Start of the second quarter, Evan Stewart runs for a one-yard loss. Jackie Matthews, an absolute assassin out there against a the run sometimes. All right, third and nine, Max Johnson's complete to A-chain. And you guess what? We're in cloud coverage again, guys. We're going to make you throw it underneath. And what makes this work is down-the-field coverage. If there's nothing vertical, he has to check it down, and it's happened to us over and over and over again. We're dropping eight, trying to confuse Johnson. So they have to throw it out in the flat to A-chain. We get him for no gain. Anytime you get Devin A-chain for no gain, that's a highlight play right there. And then, again, Nick punts it away just 40 yards and uh, to the state 14, and Xavion Thomas gets five yards. So we're out to the 19. So, again, so we're already plus 11 here, right? We took over the last drive at 8, and now we're here at the 19. Not great field position, but, again, you start trading those punts and you start winning in that respect, you get better field position. It's pretty crazy how the thing, thing worked out for us here on the next drive. But there's um, a false start, the third, on the third different player, and now it backs us up. Immediately we're behind the chains, first and 15. Will Rogers then complete the Dylan Johnson. And then, again, there wasn't a lot going on here. And give A&M a little credit here, too, for playing well. It's not always about us making a mistake. Sometimes guys win the matchup. That's what happens here. Now it's a second and 18. We throw it to DJ, who gets eight, gets us back up to the 19. And then we're incomplete to Wally. And, it seemed, and now, again, this probably should have been picked. A lot of A&M people talking about that. We had, they had impact plays to be made, and they couldn't make them. But Will's accuracy and ball placement got a whole lot better after this. All right, fourth and ten. Uh, George Jeropoulos. I think I got it right this time. George Jeropoulos or George. We're doing the best we can, George. Punt 38 yards. And then what we do here, we lose the battle here, right? Because we get behind the chains. We don't get a great punt. We needed a great punt here. We didn't get one. Got a very less than average punt. And then Muhammad returns at 20 yards. And, yes, there should have been a penalty. The very first got bulldog down. He's called either holding or blocking the back. I would, I, I, would, I would err on the side of holding. There is no call. He returns it 20 yards. So now all of this trade and punt stuff is, is, not, is blown up in our face. Now it's first and 10 at our 37. And you think A&M is finally going to get some points here. Bulldog defense has got to stand strong. They do. First and 10 from our 37. A-chain runs right for 11. They give it back to him to go up the middle, and he gets eight. And now you're thinking, you know what? They're going to ride A-chain right on into the end zone here. Second and two from our 18, and sure enough, he gets loose again. They found some success in the middle of the defense. And he runs 12 yards down. The ball is knocked loose. Colin Duncan, 
a guy that's had some moments, but also, too, a little bit up and down this year, forces a fumble, and DCAM recovers a fumble. Crisis averted. Great play by the Bulldog defense. They are, they're, they're giving the short end of the field. They give up some, uh, some plays to A-chain here, but when, you know, hey, game's on line here. Because we were expecting, I was expecting at least, a defensive struggle. I thought it might be a game in the teens. I even talked about with you guys. First team to 20 might win, which that is exactly what happened. But I didn't expect State to have the, uh, the success they did. All right, at this point, I thought this is when State said, you know what, uh, you guys are in a fist fight. Okay, we gifted you a short side of the field, and then we took the ball away from you, and now we're going to go and we're going to exert our will on you guys. And so we give it to Simeon Price, who runs for four yards. Of course, we set up at our six-yard line and put together a 94-yard scoring drive. Out of the 10 here, we hit Ra-Ra for 25. And the, probably the chemistry between Ra-Ra and Will may be the best on the team. All right, first and 10 from the state, 35. Woody then runs for seven up the middle. We give it to Simeon Price, and we told you guys in fall camp the kid can really play. He runs for 19 yards now. We're already down to the AM and m 39. Will's then complete to uh, Justin Robinson. Makes it second and seven. We go back to Justin, who gets another first down. First and 10 now at the Aggie 28. We, we try to swing it out there to, to Woody, Edrin Cooper in Will's face. The throw is a little bit off target there. I mean, that's, that's football, guys. All right, second and 10, DJ runs for 16. We talk about a guy having grown man strength. I think since Dylan Johnson's become a father, he's found that. We'll have to get him his phone case and cargo shorts. But uh, nice run there for, for, for Daddy Dylan. All right, first and 10 now at the A&M 12. We swing it down to Woody. And I, for a second, I thought he might get in. And uh, just couldn't break that one tackle. Then we're incomplete to Duck. And we go back to Duck. And I thought the, um, I thought the incomplete pass, you, know, you throw it where only your guy can get it. And it uh, didn't work out. And we go right back to it on third and three. And a great route, great throw, great catch. And we're doing the duck at Davis-Wade Stadium. That's become kind of a fun and f- fun and silly thing. I'm a favorite of fun. All right, first and ten, the extra points. Good. And state leads seven nothing. You think, okay, let's just get a stop here and find a way to get into the half with the lead. Because, again, I'm thinking this is going to be a 20-17 to 17 type ball game. It's like if we can just get to the half with the lead. Thankfully, the Bulldogs had uh, better plans. Defense, a great, great, great stop here. HN gets nothing on first down. Max Johnson gets flushed and has to run. Gets seven, brings up a third and three. And next thing you know, we're in his face. Force a quick throw, we get off the field. And then there's Nick again, Nick Constantino, 38-yard punt. I don't know what's going on. Didn't work out for him. It wasn't a great game for him. That kind of gets lost in the translation sometimes. We talk about you know, we talk about our special teams, but we forget sometimes too. We kind of force people into mistakes too on special teams. And I thought I thought our our rush on special teams on punt coverage, I think really made him punt the football maybe less than his ability. All right, first and ten from our thirty, we give it to DJ for five off the right side, and we're complete to Justin Robinson for eighteen. And again. I've been waiting for this guy to emerge. This guy's a real weapon. He's a walking mismatch. And you start thinking about Justin Robinson and perhaps Caleb Ducking on the field at the same time. Ugh. All right, first and 10 at the uh, A&M 47. DJ runs again for 10. I mean, we're just gashing these guys. And granted, they're not a great run defense, but uh, this is encouraging to see because it puts those linebackers in conflict. All right, first and 10 at the 37. 
We're incomplete to Ra Ra, but we go right back to DJ, who runs for five, brings up a manageable third and five at the AM 32. And we get it to Tulu, who breaks a couple tackles and probably should have scored. But he runs into a defender. I think he's trying to set up a block there and uh, couldn't sustain the block there. But he runs into Deuce Harmon and uh, sets up a first and goal situation. We're incomplete to Jameer Calvin. Tried to run that little out route with him that we usually kind of run there at the goal line. Uh, wasn't there. We give it to DJ, run for a yard there. And then third and four, we find Rufus Harvey, who dives for the end zone. He scores. They review it. Uh, I don't know why it took – I don't know why it needed a prolonged review because it was obvious on the initial review that he's twisting as he's falling and his knee never touched. It, it was obvious to anybody, and I understand the importance of trying to get it right, but do we have to stop the game for five, six minutes to do that? That that was a waste of everybody's time. As I tweeted out, life is short, death is certain. Let's not waste time on these elongated reviews that don't accomplish anything. And, of course, the play stands. Extra point is good. It's 14 nothing. Now you're just thinking, let's just get out of here. Let's get to the half. Because you remember at LSU, we had a 13 nothing lead and a chance to take a double-digit lead to the halftime dressing room. And we were unable to do it. This time we were, but it was kind of wild and crazy. It really was. So we get Max Johnson, J.P. Purvis on the sack. What a great game he had. Man, that was great to see. All right, they have to burn a timeout. Now it's second and 17 back at their 38. Because with the mistake we make here, and, and, and I nearly glaze over this, we need to kick this ball out of the end zone. Listen, I, listen nobody's 100%, but in this situation here, when you got a 14 nothing lead, you got to make sure that Devin HN can't beat you. Well, he nearly does. It's a 42-yard return all the way out to the 45. We, are, we negate some of that with a big sack, right? We get seven there, get some back to the 38. You know, the 28 be even better, but uh, you know, it is what it is. Then he finds Moose Muhammad, who gets loose for 24 yards. Now, all of a sudden, they're within striking distance. 24-yard gain down to the state 38. J.P. Purvis on the tackle there, too. Then they're incomplete to Moose again. That stops the clock, makes it second and 10 from our 38. And then he hits Donovan Green for 15 yards. They end up calling timeout, 23 seconds to go in the half, and you think they're at least going to get a field goal here. At least. And I could have lived with that. But I I wanted to find a way to keep him out of the end zone. And Randy Charlton on a twist just comes clean there and just absolutely destroys Max Johnson. This was a very physical defensive front on Saturday. I really thought they played up to their potential. All right, second 17. They have to call timeout. 17 seconds to go. Sure enough, they go again. And uh, they flag us for P.I., and I'd like to see it again. I thought it was a little ticky-tack. Maybe it was the right call. I'm not going to judge the call because I haven't seen it. You know, I saw it live, and I thought it was a little bit ticky-tack. The ball is underthrown. The defensive back has his back to the the ball. And so it's kind of a judgment call with a receiver kind of working back. That's how I remember it anyway. I may be completely wrong. But anyway, we get flagged for P.I., so we've had all this pressure on the quarterback. We've dumped him a couple times, and it's like, now here they are, you know, with some time to play, first and ten in the red zone. But again, the Bulldog defense bows up. We sack Max Johnson again. Buki Watson doing the honors there. Tyrus Wheat thought he had a chance at a scoop of score right there. But again, we, we run, we, we, we stop him. And that's what didn't happen at LSU. 
when we had some adversity, we didn't respond well to the adversity. We do here. Great job by the Bulldog defense. Great job by Zach Arnett, kind of ratcheting up the pressure. Three seconds to go, State runs out the clock. And that's your first half. You know, Woody runs for seven, that's it. That's the first half. And it was a good first half for Mississippi State. Not a great first half. Great half for the defense. Really good half for the offense. Having to hire a new employee sometimes is the absolute worst, right? We've all been there. If you've got your own small business, I mean, you're, you're trusting your livelihood. You're trusting your baby, your blood, sweat, and tears with somebody perhaps you don't know very well. That's why you got to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. How cool is that? There been times in the past I've made hiring decisions when I was desperate for an employee been nice to have had a partner to help me screen through some of this and make sure that I get people that fit the specific skill set I'm looking for. It's so easy to go make a free ad today at LinkedIn. Maybe you should. And then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it much easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to actually meet and interview and ultimately hire. It's important to have the right team. It's why every small business rates LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster than ever before. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash boneyard. That's linkedin.com slash boneyard to post your job for free. Some terms and conditions may apply. All right, let's get to our second half here, and this is where State really took control of the football game. A&M returned here. We cover it pretty well. Biscardi, again, can't get it quite all the way to the end zone. It comes down at the A&M 6, 16-yard return, so A&M sets up shop there at the 22nd. Really felt we needed to find a way to survive this drive. We kept my end zone, but A&M does get on the board here. A-chain runs middle for nine Back up the middle for three. Again, finding a little success there on the interior. Complete then to Evan Stewart for nine. Brings up a second and short. A-chain then runs for 16, then runs for three. And it's pretty apparent the game plan is just get the ball in the hands of number six. A-chain again runs for one yard here. Brings up a third and six. Max Johnson's incomplete. Jet all in his face. Fourth and six, a chance to get off the field, and this is a play that will impact the first half of next week's ball game. Max Johnson in, is complete to Evan Stewart. We covered up, and then they flag Boogie Watson for targeting. Again, I haven't seen it, but based on the reports of people that have, it does appear that it was a good call there. It was unnecessary. In that situation, you got to be smart. We weren't. They get a false start here after the first down. Brings it the first and 15 there at the state 25. Complete to Chris Marshall for nine. Second and six, then A-chain runs up the middle for eight. Sets up a first and goal situation. But the Bulldog defense stiffens here. A-chain runs for two. Then it's incomplete to Stewart. Jalen Green in his face there, at, speaking of Max Johnson. And then again, Max Johnson incomplete on third and six. They Randy Bond trots out, kicks field goal. It's now a 14-3 ball game. So even though they get points here, it is still a two-score game. 
State nearly lets them back in the football game, though, on the ensuing drive. It's a touchback. They did a great job with that. Did a good job managing the kickoffs, for sure. Give A&M some credit there. Probably the, the best thing about their performance. State takes over at the 27. They wouldn't have touched back. For, forgive me. We had a chance to return this. Kick, uh, receive the 12 out to the 27. Dylan Johnson runs for five, brings up a second five. We hit ducking. It looks like he's going to have a chance to, to fight for the sticks here and then fumbles the football. They recover at the MSU 31, and I think every one of you felt like me. It's like, here we go. Here we go. Former Mississippi native Walter Nolan with the recovery there at State 25. Bulldog defense being called on again to play well, and they play well the entire day. Texas A&M takes over, incomplete to A-chain, and they call P.I. on Colin Duncan. It's a spot foul, so it's just a three-yard game, but it is a first down. New set of downs here. A-chain runs right for five. Excuse me, five-yard loss here. They swing it out there. We do a good job. Jordan Davis, Sherman Timms out there making the play. Brings up a second and 15. A-chain then receives for a one-yard gain. Third and 14, a false start, which puts them well behind the chains at third and 19. And again, display cloud here and make a tackle. We do. They have to throw it short and underneath to Chris Marshall for just a five-yard game. Fourth and 14. And you think, okay, A&M's got a chance here to make it a one-score game. But Emmanuel Forbes says, no, you don't. Forbes comes off. I, to be honest with you, he timed the snap perfectly. I thought he was offsides. He gets in untouched and blocks it. It's picked up by DeCamerion Richardson, who fights through a tackle and then runs 50 yards for the touchdown. So rather than it being a 14-6 game, now it's a 21-3 game. They flag us for unsportsmanlike conduct. It seems like they were – the official just couldn't, could not uh, could not allow the fun there. Ben Rabin then kicks off and uh, – Really good job here, but it comes down at the seven. Again, State, again, not as good a job as we had hoped on these kickoffs, but they return at 21 yards to the A&M 28. It's a 21-3 game, and 10 minutes of the third quarter are already gone. First and 10 at the A&M 28. Max Johnson gets flushed again, and Devontae Russell tackles him after a two-yard gain. Second and eight, we're com- they're complete to Moose Muhammad for four, which brings up a third and four. They find Muhammad again, who gets loose for 36 yards, all the way down to the MSU 30. They're complete again to Evan Stewart for 12 in the red zone now. And State, I thought, was, was, was outstanding in the red zone. This was not one of those exceptions, though. He finds Moose Muhammad 18 yards for a touchdown. The extra point is good. Now it's a 21-10 ball game, and you feel like State needs to answer. Just get any points here and begin to feel good about life. And again, it's a two-score game, but you just feel like, you know what, State needs to find a way to get control here offensively. Not a lot has happened offensively for State here in the second half. Things begin to change a little bit here. We take over at our 25. We're complete to Dylan Johnson for eight. Then, D- then Justin Robinson, again, we find him again. And again, kind of a breakout game for him. Wasn't a hero, but again, a very solid contribution for him. Brings it first and 10 out of 41. We hit Dylan Johnson for 14, really running with a good head of steam there. Powers through a couple people. First and 10 now in A&M territory. We run DJ for three, down to the A&M 42, second and seven. We find Rufus Harvey again, and Rufus Harvey is just a big play guy. He just is. And it seems, seems like every time he catches the football in space, somebody somewhere is going to miss a tackle. 
Uh, first and 10 now at the AM 29, and DJ runs and runs out the quarter with the four yard gain. So we head to the fourth quarter with an 11 point lead. State does a good job here, kind of putting the game away here. We talk about the kill shot, we talk about making the big play to remove all doubt, and I think State does that on this drive. Wills incomplete to Justin Robinson, but there is a PI call there on Denver Harris. Uh, gives us a first and 10 at the AM 11. Uh, we try to go to Justin Robinson here. It's broken up. Nice play by Denver Harris. But second and 10, we go right back to him for 10 yards. And it, it, it looked like he might have a chance to get in. Give A&M some credit for denying the goal line there. But it makes a first and goal. DJ runs for a loss of one. Second and two, we try to find a way to get to Calvin. And Chappelle, as you saw in Will's face here, kind of rushed to throw a little bit. Not much choice there. Uh, third and two, we get it to Tulu, which sets up a – First, four, excuse me, a, initially a fourth and goal there at the uh, one-yard line. And this is when uh, things got a little bit dicey. But uh, we give it to DJ, who runs in for the touchdown. Extra point is good. It's 28-10. to 10, And I think at this point, nobody doubted what the outcome would be. We uh, kick off again. We don't get the touchback. It does go to the goal line. A-chan returns at 18 yards. State covers it pr- pretty well here. First and 10 now from the A&M 18. Johnson's incomplete to Evan Stewart. Forbes with the PBU there. Second and 10, deep pass to Moose Muhammad for 11 for another first down. First and 10 at the A&M 29. They're complete to Chris Marshall. They're on the march again here. And then next thing you know, we dial it up, and it's a big sack. J.P. Purvis right through the A-gap there. He and Jevin Banks team up for the sack. Banks, a good ball game for him. Second 18 now at the 33. They find Moose Muhammad again, which, again, it just seemed like every time they needed a big play in the passing game, you don't have Anaya Smith and Muhammad stepping up. Give him some credit for stepping up and trying to, to play well for his team. Now it's first and 10 from the 41. They're complete to Chris Marshall for one, makes it second and nine. They, they swing it out to A-chain for seven, brings up a third and two. And again, A-chain moving the chains here with a four-yard gain. First and ten, complete to Devin, Devin A-chain for two yards. Second and eight, Haynes King now in the ballgame. And I think when you begin to think about this rushing attack for A&M, they probably benefit from having the quarterback run as an option with Haynes King. Max Johnson, not really a plus runner. Athletic enough to make some plays with his feet, but you don't have a lot of design quarterback runs. I think Haynes King gives them that, that element. King then runs left for 10 to the MSU 17. First and 10 now. This is a play. This is one of those things I want to go back and see. They, they flag it, and it's like they want to call P.I., but it wasn't P.I., so they go back and they conference and conference and conference and talk and talk and talk, and then they decide to assess a holding call on Decameron Richardson, which then makes it first and goal at the eight. Incomplete to most, Moose Muhammad, Colin Duncan with a uh, PBU there, Randy Charlton in the grill of one Haynes King. Second eight now, or second goal from the eight. It's uh, complete to Donovan Green. State rallies and makes a big tackle there to set up a third and goal situation. It's incomplete. Incomplete. And then fourth and goal, they go for it. And Haynes King makes a guy miss in the open field. I believe that was DeMonte Russell. And uh, he goes in to score. Extra point is good. It's 28-17. So while the game is not officially decided yet, it just felt like at this point uh, A&M was going to make a game of it. But would there be enough time left? State removes all doubt. Very first play from scrimmage after the touchback. Will lays it up in a great play concept here. You flood the right side, get rah-rah and man-to-man coverage, 
and he beats a guy, and the next thing you know, stays on his feet, 75 yards, uh, longest play from scrimmage this year. Extra point is good. It's 35-17, and they were beginning to party here in Starkville. All right, first and 10 from the uh, A&M 25. King is complete to Evan Stewart for seven. They find Evan Stewart then for 26 yards. They're on the move here, and then it's Emmanuel Forbes getting the pick here. Great, great play there. Really kind of just set the tone for what was left in this ball game. Now State a chance to uh, to run some clock here and kind of shorten the game on these guys. Rodgers complete to Ra-Ra. Incomplete, excuse me. Then we find Ra-Ra for 21 yards. Sets up a first and 10 at the State 46. Woody Marks gets loose for his longest run of the game. 26 yards down to the A&M 28-yard uh, line. We're, uh, complete, excuse me, we're incomplete to Caleb Ducking. Denver Harris again, he was called his name a lot. Third and three, excuse me, second and ten, we complete the ducking for seven. Denver Harris makes a tackle there. So Breast is up a third and three, and we couldn't find Jim or Calvin. We attempt a field goal, it's no good. And that's one of those things, too, you look at. You know, last weekend we were perfect on special teams. This week we weren't. We were good, we weren't great, we weren't, we were far from perfect. AM takes over with 343 to go in the game. Haynes King incomplete to Jalen Preston. And the next thing you know, it's a pick six. Judd Johnson in the face. Amanda Forbes picks it off, takes it back 33 yards for the touchdown. Extra point is good. They flag us for blocking out of bounds. So that's going to be assessed on the kickoff. But it's a 42-17 ball game with just 321 to go. And it's like, okay, this thing is over. Let's get to the house. We kick it off. Jalen Preston returns it out to the uh, A&M 39. Of course, we had to kick from so far back. You knew there was going to be a return. There was. A&M, again, with the help of some officials here, is able to, uh, to come back and respond. Haynes, Haynes King uh, completed Devin Price for five. L.J. Johnson runs hard for 14 inside. I think at this point they knew the game was over, so why waste any more wear and tear on A-Chain? So they put L.J. Johnson in, who I th- looks like a good-looking back to me. It's an incomplete to Devin Price, second and 10. Incomplete to Moose Muhammad, and they called Jed for P.I. And, again, I haven't seen the replay of the game, but looking at it live – I didn't see any P.I. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe you guys saw it differently. Sets up first and 10 at 28. It's incomplete to Moose Muhammad. Jump pressing all in his face. Haynes King then incomplete to Moose Muhammad. And again, they flag us for P.I. This time it's Hunter Washington. And again, maybe it's because I wanted the game to be over. I didn't think it was P.I. I need to see it again. It didn't look like much there. Not to mention, you look at the flow of the ball game. We always want to enforce the rules. But if it's a ticky-tack call here, just let it go. Let's, about, let's, let's get to the house, right? All right, first and 10, they're complete to Devin Price for five. Then L.J. Johnson rushes for 10 up the middle, down to the state one-yard line. And then the next play, he's in on a one-yard plunge. Extra point is good. They attempt the onside kick. State recovers. It's now a 42-24 ball game. And State runs the clock out here. Woody goes for five. Simeon Price runs for one. And that's it. That's your ball game. Let's look inside the numbers here in State's 42-24 win. Pretty good ball game uh, for State. A&M with 27 first downs, State for 22, and, of course, State with two non-offensive scores, so that keeps some offensive production off the board. But also, two State scored pretty quickly on a couple drives, especially that 75-yarder, the one-play drive there. Uh, looking at rushing numbers, State outrushes A&M 144 yards to 136. State averaging six yards a carry. And that's what you're going to get when people want to drop eight. And good on the Bulldogs for taking full advantage. On the game, State only loses two yards rushing. That's it. A&M, 38. 
All right, passing, Will Rogers is 31 of 45. Average completion over 10 yards, 10.6, and three touchdowns for Will A&M, three for 252. Total offense, State 473 yards of offense, A&M 388. A&M actually ran one more play than State. State penalized 13 times for 138 yards, A&M just three for 24. I thought that was a pretty big disparity here. And it wasn't just the fact that, you know, that I thought they were flag happy on State. I think they let a lot go with A&M. There were a couple of holding calls that didn't get called, and State's able to overcome that. I mean, you have 10 more penalties than your opponent, and over 100 more yards and penalty yards, and you're still able to win going away. It says a lot about the resiliency of your team. Neither team punted it exceptionally well. Uh, State did a good job keeping the ball inside the 20. But uh, neither team got off the big punt. Both teams averaged less than 40 yards a punt. Some of that had to do with field position, and some of it had to do uh, guys just not fully executing. Uh, State kicked off seven times, A&M just four. State actually did a better job, even though we, they had more touchbacks. Three of their four kicks ended up in touchbacks. It's only two of our seven. All right, returns. They had five kickoff returns for 117 yards. They averaged 23.4 yards a return. We averaged seven and a half. State did not win time of possession, but again, that's a byproduct of two non-offensive scores and a one-play drive. A&M wins time of possession, 31 minutes and 12 seconds to 28-48. All right, individual numbers here. Uh, Max Johnson, 19 of 26 with a TD. Haynes King, 6 of 13, 49 yards, two picks. Not good numbers there. Gonna, A&M's got quarterback problems. We all knew this. Will Rogers again, 31-45 for 329, three touchdowns, and, of course, DeLong on 75. DJ, 14 carries for 68 yards. Woody, 7 for 54. Simeon Price, 3 for 22. And, again, State as a team averaging six yards. Will Rogers, no rushing attempts. Also not charged with any rushing attempts because he wasn't sacked. How about that? Good effort. Uh, Moose Muhammad, the leading receiver for A&M, six catches, 119 yards. Outside of that, State did a pretty good job uh, kind of controlling that team. And, again, there's not a lot of playmakers out in the pass pattern for the Aggies. Uh, Rara Thomas, five catches for 134 yards and a touchdown. Justin Robinson, six grabs for 50. Rufus, 541 and a score. Tulu, three of 29. And I think, you know, we last week we made a concerted effort to get Tulu to football more. Maybe you need to see a little more of that next week. Dylan Johnson, four for 27. Woody, four for 20. And Caleb Ducking, very efficient day for him. Three for 14 yards and a touchdown. Everybody is going to expect Caleb Ducking in the red zone. And then Austin Williams, one grab for just 14 yards. Uh, Jaden Wiley, Jameer Calvin, no receptions. They were both targeted multiple times, but not maybe not enough, especially for, uh, for Wiley. Looking at the defensive numbers here, Jet with another double-digit game. Ten, ten tackles for him, two quarterback hurries. Decam, nine tackles. And, of course, the uh, fumble recovery and scooped up the uh, field goal and returned it for a touchdown. Jalen Green quietly seven tackles in a quarterback hurry. J.P. Purvis uh, spells Buki Watson seven total tackles for him, uh, one and a half tackles for loss, both of those on sacks, also a quarterback hurry. Jackie Matthews, six tackles with a TFL. Buki Watson, six, also with a sack and a forced fumble, along with a quarterback hurry. Tyrus Wheat, kind of a quiet game, but five tackles for him. And also had that fumble return on, on the Max Johnson uh, drive right before the half, a fumble right before the half. Colin Duncan, five uh, tackles for him, one forced fumble and a pass breakup. Jordan Davis, a quiet four tackles, but it seemed like he impacted the game. 
Cameron Young, four tackles as well. So, and you run up down here, a lot of guys uh, put some things together here. So, good for Mississippi State. Really good team win. We beat them in all three phases of the game. Jimbo Fisher said as much. One thing he didn't say that's kind of been making the rounds, he did not complain about cowbells in postgame. I watch a postgame. I've seen this meme that's made by the Alabama fans uh, talking about the uh, – Talking about the cowbells, he did not mention cowbells in any of the media opportunities that I saw. So, great win for Mississippi State. And uh, Bulldogs now 4-1. and one. I think we can feel good about the direction of the season and the program. Need to capitalize on that this week and make sure we go get a W against the University of Arkansas. We'll have more on that, of course, later in the week. All right, time for today's top 10 list. Brought to you, as always, by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair Chandler, of course, a mortgage professional, a friend of the show, a friend of Mississippi State, a friend of mine, a friend of yours. If you're looking to refinance your home or perhaps buy a home for the first time, our friend Blair Chandler can assist you with that. This is a guy that's been in the mortgage industry for 21 years. Top 1% close ratio in the country in back-to-back years. This is a guy that gets things done. You want to get somebody that can get things done with as little as stress as possible on you. And, and getting a mortgage done, it's like it's so such a convoluted process. You need somebody that knows the ropes, and that's Blair. Give him a call or text today at 601-500-2344. Again, at 601-500-2344. And mention to him you heard about him on the Boneyard. You say, hey, Blair, I listened to the Boneyard. I heard your ad on there. He's going to pay for your appraisal. Simple as that. That's all you got to do. Don't forget to do that, whether it be by text or by call or carrier pitching or whatever, email, snail mail, whatever you want to do. Let him know you heard about him on the Boneyard, and he's going to pray for that appraisal. That's a, that's a really nice benefit for Boneyard listeners. All right, today's top ten list is uh, best sophomore albums, best sophomore rock albums, and uh, we're going to encompass a, um, as I'm texting Roy here, uh, it's, you know, we want to title this, and Roy started a new job, so I don't know if this will be up uh, right away on Spotify, but we'll get it to you. But uh, this is going to go generations here. It's going to cover a lot of ground. So top 10 sophomore albums. And people talk about a sophomore slump. You know, you have your whole life to write your first album and sometimes just a, a year or so to write your second album. So we're going to go with number 10, The Foo Fighters. In my opinion, the only thing to come out of Nirvana that was really worth anything is Dave Grohl. Second album, The Color and the Shape. A lot of hits on that album. I went with my hero. And I, I love the uh, Taylor Hawkins tribute where his son is playing the drums. It's phenomenal. Every time I see it on the reels, I like it. Just because of the fact I, I like seeing it over and over again. All right, number nine. From What's a Story, Morning Glory. It's Oasis. Remember, Definitely Maybe was a great album. The second one, better than the first. We're going with Champagne Supernova from Oasis. Number eight, my buddy Sam Denton will be proud of me today. We're going with Rat's Invasion of Your Privacy. Now, Rat had a short EP that had the leg of one Tawny Katane on it that had uh, mice crawling on her fishnet stockings, whatever. And then Out of the Cellar came out. That was the first full-length album. A lot of people... I don't fully understand that. That was the, the full-length debut album. And again, Tawny Katane on the cover of the album. You know, Tawny Katane from the Whitesnake videos. Well, she used to date Robin Crosby, who was a rhythm guitar player in Rat. And then, of course, she changed. Um, but Invasion of Your Privacy was really the album that took Rat from being an opening act to being a headliner. 
And so we're going to go with lay it down. And for all you old wrestling fans that remember Jake the Snake Roberts and Humongous when they were a tag team, lay it down was uh, their walkout. All right, number seven. Great band. I love the debut album Gish from the Smashing Pumpkins. I like Sammy's Dream even more. And we're going to go with, we're not going to go with a banger. We could go with a lot of different ways here. We, you know, we could go with Chair Brock. We're not. We're going to go with, I think, one of the more emotional songs in the Smashing Pumpkins catalog. It's the great track, Disarm. All right, number six, Bon Jovi. We're going 7,800 degrees Fahrenheit. Bon Jovi had that debut album that was self-titled. The production value on that first album wasn't great. There were a couple of good songs. Of course, Runaway was great. Dave Bryan laying down the keyboards there. But I think people realized Bon Jovi was a great left band, and so the record company decided to throw a little money at them. And 7,800 degrees Fahrenheit... Uh, featured a couple of really cool videos on MTV, but we're going to go with the debut single off of that second album for Bon Jovi. It's In and Out of Love. We're going to talk about Bon Jovi a lot on the show, and maybe we should. Number five, one of my favorite rock bands of all time, it's the band Tesla, and this, the album was the great radio controversy. Mechanical Resonance just hit like a hammer. Everybody loved it. We went from who are these guys to, oh yeah, that's Tesla. That, that that first album is amazing, but there was no sophomore slump for Tesla. I think the great radio controversy, arguably the best Tesla album. I love every song on that album, but because many of you don't know those deeper tracks, we're not going to do that. We're going to go with probably the song that really thrust Tesla into the mainstream. It's the great song, Love Song. Very emotional song. I love that track. All right, number four. I remember when Pearl Jam hit the scene, and it seemed like everywhere you went, there was all this stuff about 10. You know, of course, 10, the number of Mookie Blaylock, the former name of Pearl Jam. You know, they were, they were called Mookie Blaylock, and then Mookie Blaylock's legal team is like, hey, you can't do this. So because they loved Mookie Blaylock, they used uh, the number 10 for the album, kind of in, in loyalty to him. Uh, they're big basketball fans. But the, the Versus album comes out, and a lot of people wanted if Pearl Jam could match or get anywhere close to being nearly as good as they were the first album. They absolutely were. The Versus album is absolutely killer. And the debut single was a great song called Animal. And they debuted that on like an MTV live performance. It was phenomenal. Saw those guys live in uh, in New Orleans at Kiefer with, um, I can't remember who was with them. I think about it now. But uh, Pearl Jam was phenomenal. Number three, the second album, you know, we had to have Molly on her somewhere. Too Fast for Love. A lot of people love that album. I like it a lot. I don't love it because the Electra didn't put much money into the production of the album. The songs are killer. And I think Vince was still kind of founding his voice. But I think they began to realize they had something with Motley. They put a lot of money into the recording of the Shout at the Devil album. And my favorite track on that album is Looks at Kill. But we've talked about that on the show many times. We're going to go a little bit deeper here. We're going to go with the track Red Hot from Motley, which you know, I'm from the 1900s, so we had cassettes, we had, right? We had cassettes. And so the first song on the second side was Red Hot. All right, number two. And this is an album in many respects that started it all. A lot of people don't fully appreciate that. But Black Sabbath, the first real metal band. But I think the first real metal album, you know, of course, they had their self-titled album. But it's their second offering, Paranoid. And we're going to go with the title track, Paranoid. All rivers and rock music, especially in hard rock, flow from the origin of this album, Paranoid from Black Sabbath. Number one, though, greatest sophomore album in my estimation is Led Zeppelin II. And we're going to go with Whole Lot of Love. And uh, we'll shout it out to our buddy Ryan Purser, who uh, sang that song this past weekend, despite the fact that he's been fighting allergies for a week. 
there at Rock Vegas. Appreciate that. Led Zeppelin 2. So many great songs in the Led Zeppelin catalog. But um, you get to know those first, like everybody knows what's up on 4, which is not technically called 4. A lot of people say it's runes or signs, whatever. But because their first albums were Led Zeppelin 1, 2, and 3, people just assumed it was 4. Uh, but Led Zeppelin 2, an absolutely killer album. If you don't know it, go download it today. That's our top 10 list today. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out to Roy Samanti on Twitter at dogmatic67, D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7, and uh, let him know what your, what your thoughts are. We just may use your list. We use most of them. There's some of them I just can't do them justice, so we don't. But uh, that's the top 10 today. Top 10 rock sophomore albums. And I'm confident that I forgot somebody, and you're going to come back and say, Steve, we didn't use this one, we didn't use that one. And, you know, and maybe you're right. Like, you know, I, I can think right now, like, Alice in Chains' Dirt is one I probably should have had on the list. But then, you know, there's the EP and there's Facelift. The Dirt album was incredible. You know, some would say, Steve, you didn't use Warrant. Warrant's Dirty Rotten, Filthy Stinking Rich, a great debut, but Cherry Pie was even better. So that's the thing. There's so many. The great rock bands have a great follow-up to a great debut. Uh, you know, we could argue that Guns N' Roses, of course, they released two albums, Use Your Illusions 1 and 2. But when you think about so many other bands that hit the scene hard and kind of disappear, it's because they didn't have enough quality material for a second album. These bands did, which is why we still listen to them and we still talk about them. Again, thanks again for your support of the Top 10 list and look for that list on Spotify later today. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by the fine folks at Campus Bookmark. I love Campus Bookmark. You will too. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy stuff. Uh, Campus Bookmark doing a great job for a great fan base. The Bully Shop's been completely renovated. Everything's upstairs now, which has allowed them to expand their selection of Mississippi State merchandise. The greatest selection of Mississippi State merchandise in the known universe. Be sure and go by and check them out next time you're in town. If you can't make it to town to go by and see their smiling faces, encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web, courtesy of Al Gore's Internet, at campusbookmart.net and by being a loyal boneyard listener we'll give you a phrase it pays which is bsr which stands for beautiful steve robertson that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks any order less than 50 dollars absolutely incomplete again that's campusbookmart.net promo code bsr let's take a look around the southeastern conference some craziness within the league I don't know that there was uh you know maybe a surprising result when it came to wins and losses but and what about Missouri giving Georgia all kinds of trouble? We'll get to that. Let's start with Kentucky at Ole Miss. Some would argue that Kentucky gave Ole Miss the football game, and maybe you can make that case. But here's the thing. Ole Miss made the plays to win the game. It's not like Kentucky just, you know, completely, you know, short-circuited. And now late in that ball game, they hit a big throw on the fade there, and they get into first and goal, and you think, okay, well, here it is. At least Kentucky can kick a game-tying field goal. But a great individual effort by the Ole Miss pass rusher, beats a guy off the edge, forces a fumble, Ole Miss recovers, the game is over. And so it's like, yeah, Kentucky had some malfunction. They maybe should have never been in that situation. But you know what? That's part of football. If everybody executed to a high-level proficiency, you know, it's like, would we just play forever? Would these games always just, you know, would we still be like in our 50th overtime? Ole Miss made the plays to win the game. I don't like them. I'm just telling you that. I don't like those guys. But you know what? How can you argue against the fact that uh, they're undefeated? Yes, they've had a light schedule, and this was their first real test, but they passed. Yes, they had some help from Kentucky, but they, they, they made the plays to win. I mean, how many times have you been in a ball game where, like, a team makes a mistake and your team doesn't capitalize? 
Seoul Miss finds a way to win the game and remain undefeated. Now they're ranked in the top ten. And, you know, are, are they a top ten team? In my estimation, probably no. But the polls say they are. And how do you not rank them in the top ten when they're 5-0? and oh? You have to. And it was an interesting game. You know, Kentucky had a couple botched extra points. I guess they had one blocked. But no scoring in the fourth quarter. You got to give Ole Miss some credit for that. They shut Kentucky down in the fourth quarter. With the game on the line, nursing a three-point lead, they did not allow a score in the fourth quarter. So, hey, I don't like them, but I admire the effort. I tipped the cap. I've told you guys I think Kentucky's a fraud anyway. But uh, they lose. Alabama really struggled with Arkansas for a while and then really got it going. And um, this, this was a weird game. So Alabama jumps out to a 14-0 lead. It's 28-7 at the break. And you think, okay, they're going to cruise. Well, then you know, Bryce Young is banged up, has an arm injury. And so they end up going to the backup quarterback. And then Alabama doesn't score in the third quarter. Arkansas comes back to make a game of it, puts 16 points on the board. Now it's 28-23, and you think, is there going to be some Ozark Mountain magic? Alabama says no. Alabama outscores Arkansas 21-3 in the final frame to win 49-26. Uh, again, you know, Bryce Young's availability, you know, that, that could change some things, right? But uh, a lot of discussion on the Arkansas side about K.J. Jefferson's accuracy, and some of that may be attributed to the head injury. But uh, he goes 13-24 for 155 and a touchdown. But he missed some wide-open receivers on some crossing routes. They put Fortin in as the backup. He goes 4-10 of 10 for just 35 yards. Arkansas's uh, Sanders runs for 101 yards um, and KJ 38 yards. But outside of that rushing game against Alabama, nobody's going to you know play up to their season averages. But uh, a lot of eyes on these two quarterbacks. I mean, two of the best quarterbacks in the Southeastern Conference kind of banged up after this ball game, and we kind of suspected that would be the case with Arkansas having to play a very physical A&M team and then playing Alabama back-to-back weeks and then having to pack the bus and head down to Starkville. We've already discussed the State-Auburn game, but uh, how about the LSU Tigers? I talked about this in our Pickums column that will come up later this week. LSU is living dangerously, man. They get down in this ball game, what, 14-0, 17-0, and they come back and they score right before the half to make a game of it. They get, a couple, get 14 points there, so it's a 17-10 game, and then LSU takes the lead there in the third, and their defense takes over. And you just feel like this whole thing with, with Auburn is just beginning to unravel. They're three and two and one and one in the league, but they still got a lot to go. And this is a game at home. You know, you you have a seventeen nothing lead at home, and you lose. That's not going to curry a lot of favor within the fan base or the administration. Seventeen nothing lead in the second quarter, and then you don't score the rest of the game. Completely shut out in the second half. So again, LSU, I, I think, kind of in a precarious situation, and probably advise them not to get too cocksure about life. I don't think this LSU team is great. I think they're, they're getting better. But anytime you win at Auburn, it's a big deal. But this year, it's probably not the big deal that it normally is because Auburn's just not very good. We talked about that Georgia-Missouri game. What a wild game this thing was. I mean, it's like everybody was like, is, is this real? I, we were walking out of Davis Wade Stadium, and it was 3 nothing at the end of one. And then you look up at halftime, it's 16-6. to Missouri with a two-score lead against the number one team in the country at halftime? 
think, oh, second half, Georgia run all over them. Well, well, they didn't. They didn't. Georgia scores six in the third quarter, and then Missouri tacks on a field goal to make it a 19-12 game. You start thinking, is this going to happen? Well, Georgia eventually talent wins, and Georgia finds a way to outscore them in the fourth quarter, 14-3, and they win. You wouldn't call it an impressive win. Missouri covers here, but who cares about that? I mean, it's like and, – and Georgia didn't put the game away till late. It's a 22-19 Missouri lead until Georgia scores, you know, about four minutes to go. And then I think at that point, you know, the goose was cooked. But um, interesting game, to say the least. And Georgia, you know, not even a 100-yard rusher in the ballgame. Stetson Bennett kind of had to carry the team back. But uh, 24 for 43, 312 yards. No touchdown passes. And so, weird game, to say the least. But uh, Georgia remains unbeaten, even though they do fall in the eyes of many uh, in the polls. Florida blows out Eastern Washington. You expected that to happen. No big surprise there. And that game got moved to Sunday due to the, the storm. And, again, we offer our prayers and condolences and well wishes to all those in Florida and uh, other parts of the eastern United States that have dealt with that storm, Hurricane Ian. But uh, good offensive performance for Florida. You expected that. But uh, this was not a ball game. 35-3 at the break. And, and that's done. You know, that's completely done. Take a quick look, and we'll talk about this. We'll preview the week, as you guys know, later in the week. But let's uh, let's take a look ahead. Going to be a big week. It's uh, all conference, all week in the Southeastern Conference. All right, Tennessee, is that LSU? That's a top 25 matchup as LSU sneaks back into the top 25. Arkansas is then at Mississippi State. You're well aware of that. Arkansas now no longer in the top 25. That's no longer a ranked opponent. Missouri at Florida, a battle between two teams that are not ranked. Auburn is at Georgia. That could be interesting. The spread on that game, I think, is a little bit thick, to be quite honest with you. Ole Miss at Vanderbilt, the battle of Vanderbilt. It's one of the most anticipated games on the Ole Miss schedule each and every year. Uh, South Carolina is at Kentucky. That could be kind of a sneaky good game right there. If that game was in Columbia, I might be inclined to go with the Gamecocks, but it's in Lexington. And we're going to find out what Kentucky's made of here in these next few weeks. And then Texas A&M, of course, at Alabama. That game's lost a little bit of its luster, though. But you remember last year, A&M had lost to Arkansas, had lost to Mississippi State, and they found a way to go beat Alabama. Of course, that game was at home, and now they're going to be playing on the road in Tuscaloosa. And then all these barbs that were traded in the offseason about NIL, and they bought this player, and they did that, and you're an idiot, and you're an idiot, and your dad uh, stinks, you know. It's all that kind of stuff. There's all this childish behavior. It's not a good look for the league. You have two of the high-profile coaches in the league uh, speaking like that. And the fact that A&M called a press conference to respond to Nick Saban's comments. I mean, it's just, you know, sometimes you got to be the bigger person. And I get it. You want to defend your program. But now all of that kind of comes to bear on a football field in Bryant-Denny Stadium. So we'll see what happens there. And with this A&M offense, as anemic as it is, you begin to wonder. Will Nick make Jimbo answer for that on the scoreboard? Or will it be a game like, we'll just get a lead and, you know, we don't want to injure our quarterback or whatever, and you don't even know who's starting? The press conferences today around the league will be awfully interesting. Be awfully interesting to find out who and what is healthy. You know, which quarterbacks are healthy, which ones are not. It's going to be interesting. A lot of eyes on Fayetteville and, of course, at Alabama. 
and we'll see what happens. It's going to be awfully interesting to see what the coaches have to say, if anything. All right, time for the final segment of the show brought to, our friend, brought to you by our friends at Portico. You, you love Portico. I love Portico. Sometimes I wish I lived at Portico. And uh, just announced, too, as we get, we'll get back to our Portico ad, is your uh, Defensive Player of the Week, Emmanuel Forbes. I tweeted that out. If anybody else uh, got it, it was going to be a surprise. Emmanuel Forbes aggressed two picks and a blocked field goal that returned for a touchdown by the Cameron Richardson. Uh, you talk about filling up a stat line. So congratulations to Emmanuel Forbes, one of the best cornerbacks in the country and does not get the press that he often deserves. So congratulations to Emmanuel Forbes. But again, Portico, a great place to live, uh, 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. But you're tucked away in a neighborhood. It's not like you're out there on 82. You're off of 82. Excuse me, you're off of 12. You turn off of 82 on a 12. The very first ride is Pat Station Road. You go through the four-way stop, and there's Portico on the right. So you're close enough for convenience but far enough away to have some privacy. I encourage you uh, to reach out to our friend Brooks Bryan. Brooks, a fantastic bulldog. Doing a lot of great things to make Starkville a better place. Working with a great group of developers here uh, to um, to make Starkville a better place to live. Give Brooks a call or text today at 601-416-8075. Again, at 601-416-8075. And Brooks can help you guys, whether it be your primary residence, whether it be you're just your place in Starkville. The people say, we have a place here. You could have a place too. Maybe it's your future retirement home. Maybe it's your ballgame weekend retreat. Maybe it's a place where you just kind of get together with family and have a place to go rest and recreate after a ballgame. These ballgame weekends become three-day affairs for you, and it's nice to have a place to put everybody under one roof. Brooks can help you with that. You can get a two-bedroom, two-bath home all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. I'd encourage you to reach out and get more information. Next time you're in town, maybe take a self-guided tour right over there and see for yourself. You'd be glad you did. Make Portico your next move. All right, we uh, had a baseball scrimmage over the weekend and uh, played Troy. A couple ball games there. Our Mike Nemeth covered that for us. And uh, I think it's interesting. You know, we, we had the scrimmages on Saturday, but uh, a lot of people had to kind of pick and choose. But many of you had the opportunity uh, to go and see both Mississippi State football and baseball, which I think is a pretty cool thing when you have a chance to do that. Pretty cool deal. So a lot of people were in town, didn't get to see them all, but uh, able to see a good bit. And uh, looking through our content, we have produced a ton of content here in the last uh, few days. If you, if, you, if you like Mississippi State, you need to trot on over to jeanspage.com and read all of our great coverage uh, from the weekend. But Mike has been to these, uh, yeah, these scrimmages. And uh, so I'm going to kind of share with you a couple things here for those of you that haven't kept up. Um, I don't know why. I, I wanted, I'm not going to say that. Um, I get sometimes I, there's some things that show up on our website that I don't I don't I don't want them to be there, but um, we'll work on that. All right, so Mississippi State played the doubleheader against Troy. State wins the first game three to one against Troy. Kind of give you a quick overview from this. It was uh, tied at one in the seventh inning, and then State scored twice uh, in the bottom of the seventh to win three one. David Marchand is starting, he's a freshman. He's starting to get a lot of praise. And this is a guy that Chris Lamona said after the draft was over. This is a guy that turned down some money to come to school. And there's been so many eyes focused on other players. I think that maybe David Marchand has kind of flown under the radar a little bit. 
This guy, if he continues to work hard and remains healthy, is going to be a dude at Mississippi State. Um, and so, and he kind of starts that rally for State to, uh, you know, to win. Makes a big smash there. And so State wins the ballgame 3-1. And again, it's good to play somebody else, right? I mean, that's a big part of all this, being able to play somebody else. Uh, look, you know, looking at the numbers here. Uh, Mershon reaches on an error to start things. Will Hall has a hit in the ballgame. Slate offered a uh, couple hits in the ballgame, too. Lane Forsyth with a hit. Ross Highfield catching with a hit. Connor Hyzak had a hit, one for three for Ch- uh, Chance Bryce. Bradley Lofton, uh, freshman, left-hander, we expect a lot of things from. He he allows the only run for Troy. Goes two innings pitch, allows one hit, uh, one run, a couple walks, three Ks. Outside of that, State did not allow but one other walk the entire day. Tyson Harden uh, goes a perfect inning in relief. Cole Cheatham, left-hander there, allows one hit, strikes out one. Colby Holcomb, uh, one hit in his one inning of work. Uh, Graham Yetna, Yetma. Also perfect in his uh, outing. And Aaron Nixon, the future Bulldog closer, walks one but strikes out three. And we need a high leverage guy like that. I mean, right, how many times did we deal with that last year? All right, game two, they took a bit of a break there. Uh, State blows out Troy in game two, 11-6. And a very detailed uh, recap by, by, by Nemeth over here. But David Mashon again in the middle of things, one hit, and three at bat, scores a run, has three RBIs. Cold Ledbetter, two for three. A couple runs scored in a ribby there. Dakota Jordan, another guy, a young, another young guy that's gotten a lot of praise here in fall baseball, one for two. Uh, Bryce Chance, 0 for 0, but did get on, got an RBI. And then Luke Hancock, one for four. Sweet offered one for three with a couple ribbies. Ross Highfield, 0 for two in that ball game. Lane Forsyth, 0 for 0. Connor Isaac, again, veteran guy. We expect him to to compete out in the left field, two for four in the ball game for him. Jay Murdoch, 0 for three. Will Hold, the fourth, 0 for one. Pitching-wise, uh, Gerangelo Sagente gets the start, goes two innings pitch, two hits, no runs. One walk, but how about that? five Ks. Man, you love that. Landon Gartman, kind of a tough outing for him. One inning pitch, two hits, two runs, one K. Brock Tapper, then one inning pitch, one hit. Uh, one run allowed. Nate Dome comes in, the fireballer from transfer from Ball State. One inning pitch, walked one, didn't K anybody, didn't allow any hits or any runs. Uh, Logan, For- Logan Forsyth, another guy, young guy we're really excited about. One inning pitch, no hits, no runs, no walks, no Ks. Tyler Davis, a little tough outing for him. Uh, one inning pitch, one hit, allows three runs and uh, three of those walks. And that's a guy we're, we're going to need him. Uh, to go out there and do some big things for us. He's got to be a matchup guy. And one of the things that he said when uh, Chris Simonis and those guys first recruited him is, they said, what do you want to do? He said, I want the ball when the game is on the line. So you like people that have that kind of moxie and have that kind of competitiveness. Uh, not a good day on Saturday, but they, that's baseball, right? There's some days you get out there and it's one day chicken, the next day feathers. Uh, but the reality of it is, is uh, State handles business and you win that. And uh, they will play Alabama, too, that same weekend. We're over there for football. Probably play that game Friday night. We don't know for sure. We did that. We played them over here. So uh, it's a good thing they allow these scrimmages. You know, these are real games. And, and it's, you know, you want to play somebody else and kind of see what you got. You play all these inter-squad stuff, and sometimes it's just difficult to kind of gauge how good you are and what you are. So Bulldogs take care of business. 
pretty excited about the group. And you can read those recaps. They're free over at jeanspage.com. Go to our baseball board, and you can click on them, even if you're not a member, and you can read them for free. So I encourage you to do that. Mike Nemeth doing a great job for us. Uh, I love college baseball. And uh, this time of year, of course, we have to commit a lot more time and effort to football, and, and with good reason, right? When you begin to think about this football team, and let's spend a few minutes here before we get out of here, kind of talking about, you know, what are our expectations? We have talked at the beginning of the year about being 8-4. and four. We feel like, you know what, this is, gonna, this is an 8-4 and four team. I think based on what we've seen now, we begin to realize maybe they can be better than that. I think now everybody looks back, and the day after we were all, there was all this angst about us losing to LSU. And LSU is a good team, not a great team. It's one thing we've talked about. You don't always get that good LSU team. You usually get a great LSU team when you go down there. We let them off the hook. And that's something we'll be talking about the rest of the year, I I suspect. Because, again, I don't think LSU is going to be a dominant team this year. I think we're going to look back and say, you know what? Should have won that game. It's behind us now that we've won the last two. And so you're four and one with five games to go. Excuse me, with five games in the books. You begin to see how the season shapes up. Arkansas is coming in this week. They've lost two in a row. And Arkansas, too, like when you look at these numbers and you begin to think about Arkansas, I've, I have felt that State – I think Arkansas is a good matchup for State. I don't think that State's a good matchup for Arkansas. I don't think this game will be as close as the last two have been. You know, and maybe that's just the, you know, the positive nature of myself, but they're three and two, and you go back and you look. They beat Cincinnati, that is not at all what it was last year. They beat South Carolina, and of course that Cincinnati game, all these games are in fable to start, right? But you win 31-24, you beat Carolina 44-30. You struggle against Missouri State. You're trailing in that ball game, and it takes a late comeback to win that game. And I think people realize, okay, well, maybe Bobby Petrino is coming back. It's an emotional game. It's his Super Bowl. Don't read too much in that. Well, then they lose to A&M. Offense didn't play well. And then they lose to Alabama. You expected that, but they haven't played well in three weeks. They haven't. And we're going to detail this a lot more, but I think now most people, including Vegas, expects Mississippi State to win this ballgame with or without K.J. Jefferson. If they don't have K.J. Jefferson, you begin to think, you know what, State may win this game handily. And then based on what you saw Saturday, and of course it's a one-game snapshot, but you know we, were chan- we had a chance to watch some of that Ole Miss and uh, Kentucky game. You know, Kentucky's not a great-looking team either, and I told you guys from the beginning of the year we're going to beat these guys, and I still believe that. Their secondary also is real challenged. And so I think State's got a chance to do that as well. And I think that's a thing to understand, too. It's like we, we pick these games back in August, and you think, oh, you know, it's going to be great. Okay, eh, it's going to be great. And, and then you begin to kind of break these things down, and you begin to realize over the course of a season, things change. It's a dynamic deal. You never know who's going to be healthy from one week to the next. You never know who's going to match up well or who's going to put in new wrinkles. But, like, Let's look at their schedule. They beat my Ohio 37-13. Kind of an uninspiring win there, but they took care of it. Then they go beat Florida, and you think, oh, well, you know what? Maybe these guys are good. They struggled for a while with Youngstown State. They put them away. It was 31-0, right? I mean, so it's not like there was ever any trepidation in the game. They sneak by Northern Illinois, 31-23, and then they lose in a mistake-filled game against Ole Miss. 
So you begin to think, you know, now that people have seen film on some of these teams, people aren't trending with the same maybe trajectory they were when this thing started. And as it stands today, based on what you saw from last week, don't you expect State to beat Arkansas and Kentucky? I mean, provided we can stay healthy. And it's like you start thinking now, well, what if State goes 6-1 and one in the first seven? Oh, but wait a minute now. Then you've got to recalibrate your expectations a little bit. Now, now again, let, we can afford – we don't play in the games or we don't coach or we don't call plays, so we can afford to kind of get ahead of ourselves a little bit. But you win this weekend, and I think that's one, too, kind of getting the monkey off your back because we have, we have somehow allowed those guys to kind of wiggle a win away from us the last couple of years. And really it's been about State's lack of execution – rather than Arkansas. But give, give K.J. Jefferson last year, he led them down the field uh, for a game-winning drive. Our defense couldn't get off the field. And again, there's that penalty on fourth down on Martin Emerson that to this day, I, I'll submit to you, was not a penalty. It just makes, it makes no sense. But either way, it counted. They won the game. I think State's hungry for Arkansas. I think we get them, and then we're going to go to Lexington and play those guys. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, what we see from Kentucky this week against South Carolina. And again, they're home. But let's dream a little dream here. And let's say, let's say State wins these next two. We talked about this being the defining stretch in the schedule. And so we win these three. It makes you six and one. And you've still got Auburn and East Tennessee State and Ole Miss on the schedule. And I don't think we're a good matchup for Ole Miss either. I mean, of course, it's a rivalry game. Like they say, you throw the record books out. But a lot of people said, hey, you know what, we're going to lose to Alabama and Georgia. But you start thinking now, if you can find a way to navigate through this stretch and you get through Kentucky 6-1, and one, you start thinking, you know what, 9-3 and three is a real possibility. You get a good draw in a ball game, it could be a double-digit winning season. And I would submit to you today that I think there's a lot of fence-sitters that were on the wrong side of the fence after LSU. And now they swung back around the right side of the fence after A&M. So in order for us to kind of get them and keep them, you need to win this week. And speaking of that, we need you at Davis Wade Stadium this week. As a matter of fact, I bought my brother and his family some tickets last night. We're going to get Bulldogs in the stands. Uh, there are not a lot of tickets left, but there are enough. And let me encourage you as always. I know a lot of people immediately go to Facebook. Hey, I need tickets. Okay, it's a good way to get scammed. Sometimes, sometimes it's good to find out a friend that maybe he's not going. But if you need to buy tickets, go to the Mississippi State official website. Go to healthstate.com, go to tickets. You can buy directly from Mississippi State. That way, if there's any problem on game day, Mike Ritchie and his staff can take care of you. That should always be your first option. I'm just telling you, when you go out and you use third-party vendors, and not all of them are reputable, if you go directly to Mississippi State and you buy tickets through them, if there's any problem, they're going to accommodate you. And you know those people, that this is your family, right? Go to healthstate.com, order your tickets through them. Don't depend on third-party vendors when you don't have to. And the fees are less, right? You go through a third-party vendor, the fees are going to be a little bit more. Go through healthstate.com. I bought some tickets last night. There are tickets available in both decks and some limited seating available in the lower levels. I know many of you think, well, I like to sit up top so I can see the play develop. Great. They can get you taken care of. We need you in Starkville. And I love it when you guys come to town. We had an absolutely wonderful weekend with all of you guys being here. I love it when the energy you guys bring. 
and you need to bring him back this weekend. We need you in Starkville. The Mississippi State needs you. I know it's 11 a.m. kick, and people. it's just so much easier to stay home. This is not necessarily about your own convenience. This is about what is best for Mississippi State. We need to make this an incredible home atmosphere, regardless of the time of day. I wasn't happy about the kick time. You shouldn't be either, but we're going to have good weather. It's going to be partly partly sunny with a low of 46 and a high of 71. You can even wear a light jacket if you want to. But it's going to be nice, crisp fall weather this weekend. So we need you here. Again, I encourage you to go to healthstate.com to order your tickets and come be a part of this with us. Get up early. Come enjoy the ball game. You'll be glad you did. And, again, I think State's going to win a ball game, and we're going to roll to 5-1. and one. You're going to feel pretty good about life. I'm glad you're here. But your Bulldogs need you here. Uh, while we sold some tickets last weekend, I was disappointed with the turnout. I, I was. I was disappointed with the turnout. I said, well, you know, Steve, guys, listen, I'm, I'm not going to question anybody's fandom, but I'm just going to tell you, we need you to make a commitment to be the ball game this week. We need you here. We do. We need you here. And we always talk about Mississippi State. We want to take the next step. Come, come take it with us. Okay, let's be here this weekend. I know there's a lot going on, but we're going to have good weather. And we're, we're getting good football from your Bulldogs. You may not remember, remember this. We played five games this year. We scored 39 points or more in four of the five. We've obviously won all four of those games. So, you know, we, the air raid won't work. Well, air raid's working. Air raid's working. The Bulldogs are winning. The weather's going to be great. Tickets are available. Come out and be a part of this. I'm asking you. I'm not going to beg, but I'm going to ask you. Come out here. Mississippi State needs you. Your fellow Bulldogs needs you and your cowbell in the stands. So come on. If you haven't done so, go to dogpiledabook.com. You can get all my sports books there. That's Flim Flam, Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs, and at Dogpile. A limited number of Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs remains. Uh, not many left. And again, we're not going to have those in print for another year or so. Uh, so be sure and check those out. Blooms of Oleander, of course, available through Amazon as an e-reader and a hardback book and a paperback. And you can also get uh, that through barnesandnoble.com, booksmegan.com, or through your local bookstore. Let's be sure and check it out. Stark Villains gear is always available at starkvillains.com. You can order that. You'll be glad you did. All right, listen, that's it for today. I'm going to be on the road. I won't attend the Mike Leach Press for today. I'm speaking tonight at Gulfport at the uh, Great Southern Club. Looking forward to that. Uh, we'll have a good time down there on Mississippi Gulf Coast. It's been a while since I've been down on the coast. So look forward to being down there and seeing so many great coast Bulldogs and uh, fans of other teams. I'm always prepared for that. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. <laughs>